Hello and welcome to the Race FF Podcast. I am your host, Jaime Garcia. And today, guys, we have a legend of Time Attack. Um, this person, I mean, you name it, he's been kind of everywhere. And I believe this is my first OUS um, interview. Yeah, OUS guest. Today, I have another wrong-wheel drive um Supporter, I guess, enthusiast, person who still hasn't learned that uh, front-wheel drive is just not the right way to go. And I'm very happy to have this person here is James Houghton. I'm saying the last name right, right? Yeah, close enough. Oh, okay. (laughs) Thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate that. And, I mean, we're, we're coming from literally two different sides of this, like, North American continent. I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, it's always fun talking with guys about time attack and racing and and uh, wrong wheel drive and trying to make the wrong wheel drive right wheel drive. Right, right. I mean, at the end of the day, um, when it comes to time attack, because of the budgets and whatnot, you, I, I feel like once you're at your level, and I, I mean, it's been demonstrated by people like Will I Young um, that you can really make something incredibly fast no question no question but i will say that i think that people were under the impression from the the battles that will and i had over the years that that meant that you couldn't necessarily go faster with a rear wheel drive or an all-wheel drive car Mm -hmm. and in reality you know what we were doing is amazing and at certain tracks the probably the the gains would be dismal. Um, but there would be tracks that we would go to sometimes where the front wheel drive cars would definitely struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, you know, him and I are both very passionate about what we do. And, uh, I think that, you know, we were just kind of, um, addicted to what we were doing, even though, you know, there's definitely always better platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't, that's what we love. It's what we do. And, you know, it's probably what I'll continue to do for a very long time for who knows what reason. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. I I mean, if I was smart, I'd be buying like, what is it, a Miata or BMW E30 something, something with wheel bolts. But no, I, I've decided to continue with the uh, Golden Era Hondas. And mu- much like you, um, I'm, I've also uh, done something that right now is probably uh, sacrilegious, which is the car that I'm building for my wheel-to-wheel uh, series is a great example of like one of those cars that could have been a bring-a-trailer car if it wasn't like so badly beat up already. But it was a 93 Civic Si, clean title, fully loaded, oh, AC beautiful. worked, and... It's gutted now. It has a cage. It's going to be racing in NASA's uh, Honda Challenge H4. And I'm just finishing up tearing the AC out so I could put a proper sized uh, radiator in there. And yeah, I've had people that message me. It's like, what are you doing? And I've seen like prices for those things start to go over $10,000. And I'm like, what is going on? And your type R, Integra. I mean, dude, like those things have gone ridiculous in terms of prices. 
no question, no question. I mean, it seems like the whole used car marketplace is just is crazy with the emphasis on you know like that kind of that era of, mm-hmm. of cars that you know that uh, people have fallen in love with, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's making it tough to build the car that maybe all you know you've always dreamt of. But I think mm-hmm. that it's making people be more aware of some of these other cars mm-hmm. you know like like my tsx now is um dude you know yeah. it's a is a very good option like if you have to pay ten thousand dollars for a, a you know a golden era 90s civic or integra um there are a lot of things that are a bit of a pain with the tsx yeah but you can buy a car for three grand yeah so, so this know. is this is interesting because you know I actually owned a TSX in 06. It was automatic, though. Um, but I really like that car, and I think it's so, like, underrepresented and, like, really slept on because it's got a lot of things that the Golden Era Hondas uh, had, which was the double wishbone front and rear. Rear knuckles are aluminum. And the biggest thing in comparison to most of the newer cars is when you open the hood, there's actual room to work on the car. Oh, there's so much space under there. There's so, so much, much room space. for activities. <laughs> yep, yeah. It would be a it would be a great car to do like a full on you know time attack build with. Mm-hmm. Huge amount of room for a proper rad duck exit. Mm-hmm. Uh, good amount good amount of room for a turbo kit behind the motor. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's there's a lot of reasons that I would consider building a TSX if I was building an unlimited class time attack car again. Mm-hmm. Coefficient of drag in them is one of the lowest of any sedans of all time. Wow, I um, didn't know that. I did not know yeah. that. They are 0.01 worse CD than an Insight, first gen Insight. Wow, believe, and the first gen, the first gen. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And I and I've and I've looked at these numbers over and over and over wow. again, and I don't even I don't even understand how they were able to achieve <laughs> this. But you, no matter where you look, 0.27 and first gen Insights were 0.26. Wow, that's that's so, actually really wild, man. No special wheels, no fender skirts. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the deal is there. I don't know if every single website I've ever found is wrong. I mean, maybe it is, but like everywhere I go, I find that point two seven number. And, and yeah, man, that's that's wild because I remember I had. One time when I drove my car and I got almost 40 miles to the gallon on that thing. Just like putting, just like trying to get it like as best as I could. And I was just shocked. I'm like, how, how is this like 3,000 plus pound vehicle? A 3,250 for a manual. So yours was probably over 3,300 with no one in it. Fuck, dude. Like me, dude, 200 pounds. So 3,500 pound car. That's wild. Getting 40 miles per gallon. It's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. And of course, you're doing your uh, TSX as uh, the GLTC car. Yep. And we would like to be, we would like to be at Road America with the, (laughs) with all the the boys and girls this weekend, but the border is still closed, sadly. And we are, we are still here, but we're dealing with it. We're just uh, we're doing more and more development on the car, and it was uh, quick when we went to our first GLTC event at Coda with it in 2019. And uh, I assure everyone that it will be quicker when we get back again. 
Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that because, you know, it was an interesting uh, strategy that you focused on for Coda because Coda being a high-speed course, you really focused on taking the penalties uh, for weight and going with essentially making it a freaking rocket ship. And it showed that it was a good, um, it was a really strong formula for that track. Well, we've... Um... We've found through little things here and there, we've found even more straight line speed since then while improving the handling aspects of the car as well. So we are pretty excited to make our return whenever that might be. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully we can keep trending in the right direction and maybe we'll, uh, maybe the border will open up for Coda 2022 and that'd be kind of cool to go back to a place that we've been with the car already. But, uh, Whenever it opens up, we'll be at the next event, whatever that might be. Yeah, and um, on on that note, I mean, I I think both you and I are sending all the positive, uh, all all the positive vibes and all the best wishes for uh, Ben from uh, Gears and Gasoline, who got a really nasty case of a coda. I mean, it's it's really sad to see um, someone so young get hit that hard and it just shows you that the stuff is real and people are getting hurt and no matter where you stand you shouldn't be uh shouldn't be for people getting hurt and i i I just hope he he makes a good and fast recovery so i agree with you 100 percent, and i just hope that you know someone that has a reach like that it, it it it'll show a few people hopefully the the, how real it is yeah because i mean because look he's... yeah you us we all depend on especially in the road racing community the especially in gltc we all depend on each other for s- certain things and um you know you want people to be around and um yeah it, it's, it's it's so sad i mean yeah it's frustrating sure is sure is but um, with right now, since you're the border is closed and you can't do any of the GLTC events, that I'm sure you're watching all the videos and just being like, "Man, I, I'm, I'm ready! I'm ready!" You're just like so uh, revved up to do this. You you've been doing uh, events over in Canada, right? Yeah, we've been doing all kinds of stuff. Um, I did quite a bit of wheel to wheel racing with the TSX up here last year. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't done as much of the wheel-to-wheel stuff this year. It's uh, the way our classification works up here. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like bracket racing and um, the car is very good in its bracket, you know, it's time bracket at some tracks and on some tracks, you know, it can be very frustrating. So we do a lot of racing at most sport, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, uh, mm-hmm. which is a legendary track. But it's a power track, and some mm. of the cars in the time bracket that I was running, you know, are running the same time. But some of them have four and five hundred horsepower, God. and it's yeah, that's it's frustrating to race against a car like that. Probably just as it was frustrating for some of the GLTC people to race against me at Coda. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like that times five in this class up here. So um, we took took the year off from that this year. We were doing a major um, re-engineering of the suspension. We wanted to get the ride height much, much lower. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we did. We were able to achieve a, a 1.5 inch drop from where we were last year while improving wow. the the suspension geometry, even compared to what we had last year. Um, and in the couple of in the few times we've had the car out since then, it's just it's shockingly good. It feels I've never experienced something like this. We've got the car so low and so stable that it feels like we've added downforce, even though oh. it's not to do with downforce. It's just like taking body roll away, adding stability to the car. And we've been able to loosen up the setup so much by changing realignment settings and stuff like that. We've had to loosen it up to get the balance back. But mm-hmm. as we loosen it up, we are still not losing the stability, which is super, super cool. And I can't wait. I haven't had the car out at Motorsport yet this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't wait to get it out on Monday and uh, and see how, see how it is at a faster track like that, a track more like what we'll be running with, uh, with grid life mm-hmm. um, to see where we are against kind of our benchmark that we set last year. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was interesting because you were pretty much one of the headliners for all of the grid life events in terms of the unlimited uh, time attack. And then to see you jump into GLTC, I mean, it seems like you're you were doing like a, a lot of work because you still had I think you were you still running the the Type R at uh, Coda and doing GLTC or no so so the Integra the Integra was actually sold to a local group oh. a local time attack group called Northern Speed at the end of 2019 right around the same time as I bought TSX. Not much changes with that program because they still want me to drive it. They want me to be a big part of the program. A lot of the sponsors are staying on, everything like that. Okay. But they did want to go through an extensive rebuild. They wanted to really bring it up to date because there was some things that have been, um, you know, that we kind of wanted to change. But that car ran Time Attack every year from 2010 until 2019. Never hardly missed an event. And that takes a toll on a car and... You know, mm-hmm. it causes there to be things that you'd like to be better and things that you'd like to be done cleaner and stuff like that. But when you're running every year and never taking a year off, you don't always have the time to do that. So they said, you know what? We're, we're okay if we take some time off. This is what we want to achieve with this car. We want it to look like a brand new car when it's done. We want it to be brand new inside and out. We want it to be faster than ever. We want it to be able to compete against the absolute best stuff in North America. Mm-hmm. And and be able to win against it, and we are willing to take the time to get there, and um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's all torn apart right now, but it has a very good plan, and uh, we are very excited to to get it back out whenever that might be. Oh, that's awesome! So really, right now, in terms of uh, grid life, your focus is really um, GLTC, and once it opens up. Um, what besides Coda? What other track are you, are you looking forward to going to? We'll probably be at every GLT <laughs> for a while until my wife gives me shit or my parents give me shit or someone gives me shit because we will. It'll be hard to not go to GLTC events once once they allow us back in the U.S. again. Until maybe until maybe Grid Life kick us out if we, if we oh. do well. <laughs> uh I, I don't think they'll they'll kick you out i mean you're one of the stables of the grid life out there so yeah i'm i'm looking forward to seeing that watermelon helmet uh coming back out well we uh we're looking forward to it and 
I don't know. I like to. It's, it's just fun to joke. I think at, at the higher speed tracks, the car has the potential to be quite dominant. But um, I think at some of the smaller, t- tighter, more technical tracks, it'll be it'll be interesting. I I think it's a very hard car to pass, mm-hmm. uh, even at a tighter track. But you have to have the track position to put yourself in that scenario. Mm-hmm. So if you can't if you can't get up front, then big deal if it's hard to pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and it'll be fun. To, it'll be fun to see. Yeah, and so what made you choose the the TSX aside from the the CFD and obviously like the stuff that we were talking about for for the TSX? So, funniest story about that, I was like dead set on finding another Integra, and I had commenced to look on finding on finding another Integra, and Adam Jabay from Grid Life and Slip Ankle and everything else. Mm-hmm. said, uh, are you only interested in Integra? I said, well, that would be my choice. And I said, you know, why? He said, well, I have a friend, and uh, and his nickname is Zabble, Nick. And uh, he says, uh, he says my buddy Nick has, uh, has, um, he has his TSX for sale. And I said, okay. And he says, not put together. And he's like, but it's caged, and it comes with a million pairs, and it's got suspension in it, it's got wheels on it, it's got a seat in it, it's got a cage in it. It has a lot of stuff done, but it doesn't have any wiring in it. It's not plumbed or anything like that, but it has more than enough to put a car together. And so so Zabo and I got talking, chatting back and forth, and this was like in September, and I didn't pick the car up until like the end of November. Oh, wow. And we, cause it's down in Kentucky. So it was about a 10 hour, 10 hour drive each way to pick up the car. So we were still running the Integra at the time. We were finishing up the season with that. There was other stuff on the go. It might've even been December when I came, when we finally picked it up. I can't remember. But, um, I, uh, we, we worked out a price and everything like that, and it was super fair, and there was a lot of stuff I knew that I wasn't going to use that I was going to sell, but mm. he just wanted the space. He didn't want the stuff in his basement. And uh, so we made a deal, but I said, hey, I said, I hate doing this. I'm happy to give you the deposit, but I don't really know when I can pick it up right yet. <laughs> I said, it's not going to be this month, and it's not going to be next month, but I do love the car, and I am looking forward to getting it. I've got the vision for what we're going to do with this thing already, and I said I'm not I'm not going to stiff you and not get it. I just said I just I don't know when I can commit to get it right now. And he said no worries. He said he says I want to see it race. He said I'd love to see it race in GLTC. He's like there's a lot of my buddies that race in there already, mm-hmm. and he said that you know that would be cool if that was a destination. I said that is 100% its destination. 100% I'm going to race it there. Ninety-five percent. We're going to race it at Coda in February. And he's like, "How? What?" He's like, "You're going to pick this thing up in November and you're going to race at Coda in February." I said, "Yes, we are going to do every single thing in our power to get it there." Yeah, and uh, that's that. That's a really aggressive uh, timeline. But then again, I mean, you do um, time attack with the Integra, so swapping in an engine. I think I've seen you on gears and gasoline videos where you guys. Swap in transmissions and engines like the week, like during an event. So maybe the thing was with the, the TSX is there was there was a lot of things that were there, but there was a lot of things like you know, like I said, there was no wiring in the car at all. Mm-hmm. I really the the interior was 
fine, but I've always really wanted a car that was really nicely painted interior. Mm-hmm. And uh, a good buddy of mine has a body shop where they do a lot of painting of transport trucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked him if he would, you know, if he would help me with that. And he said he would. Um, so we actually started tearing the car down more before we even started putting it back. Oh down. wow! And some, so so we we stripped the interior right out. There was a couple of bars that we needed to change for for my height because mm-hmm. Zabo was quite a bit taller than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think taller taller in his upper body than me. So a couple mm-hmm. of the bars were just not going to work. So we had to cut a couple of bars out of the cage and, and make that right. And then we got to painting the interior. And so by the time we got the car back from the body shop, it was actually the first week of January. No way. We basically, yeah. It's done, you know, kind of end of December. We had, we had the changes to the cage made, but basically nothing else was done. We got the car back from paint beginning of January. And in basically five weeks, you know, the car was, you know, the engine was assembled with different camshafts, you know, oil pump, the usual bits. Um, the trans was, was done by TRE Transmissions in Michigan. You know, the the wiring was done. The, the air dam was done. The flares were done. The hood vents were done. You know, like all these all these little things. The titanium exhaust was built. You know, and everything was being done, you know, or I shouldn't say everything, but 90, you know, 95% of the stuff was all being done in house. Wow at unit two fab so you know the spoiler being built and the air dam being built and the air you know the the, the rad duct was being built and like wow. you know, it was it was it was quite a procedure and the wrap had to be done on the car and um we ended up going to to ncm on the way to coda and just to shake down the car because it was winter and we had no way to, to get on track in, in canada at that point um and the car was definitely had potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, NCM is a tough track to drive when you've been awake for 24 hours. Jeez. And, uh, and it's, you know, 40 degrees Fahrenheit and wet and you've never driven the car before. Um, <laughs> but we put a couple laps in and I knew the car had tremendous potential. And we found a couple little problems that we were able to ship some overnight parts, ship some parts to Texas that we picked up on the way to Coda. So that was really lucky because we, we were done our test at like, you know, three, three o'clock in the afternoon. And so we were still able to get parts out that day, have them overnighted to, to Austin. And uh, I forget what shop helped us out, but we had a friends of friends that knew a shop in, in Texas that we were able to ship parts to. We went and picked those up on the way to Coda. We unloaded the car in the parking lot at Coda before we were even allowed in the track. And uh, we fixed up our last few things and got the car ready and, um, we won three out of four races after that. So it was quite a, quite an amazing thing what happened in about five weeks or six weeks with that car. That is so wild. I mean, just hearing all the work that you're doing, I'm just like, fuck, I'm stressed out. Like, man, there was, there was times where there was, uh, four to six different people that had their hands on that car in one day. That's wild, man. That's wild. Like, here I am, uh, like, getting ready for my first race, and um, I still need to get my kill switch, uh, main uh, kill switch done. And I was like, oh, I only have a week, and I'm trying to see if I could get a, one of these shops to fit me in so that I could uh, 
get it done and i'm like oh, i'm kind of stressing about it and here you are like oh well we need a plumb the and like half of that stuff would ruin me <laughs> that's wild man, man. I, I ruined all of us <laughs> on the weeks leading up to that my buddies were were not in love with me that week that's for sure but uh, we got through it and uh, the guys from unit two fab are unreal they uh they make some some amazing parts for mm-hmm. for swapped Hondas and for K series and mm-hmm. you know oil pan solutions and everything mm-hmm. like that. It, it's awesome, but uh, they really grind it. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was it was one percent me, ninety nine percent them. It was it was definitely not happening because of me, but uh, uh, in in one way maybe it was happening because of me because I kept on <laughs> bugging them and riding bugging. Them until yeah. they kept doing stuff. Yeah, and it's really putting those people together and being able to melt all of these people's strengths and um, being able to convince them to use their labor and bring those people together. That's uh, really the key thing that comes uh, to play from you. So, I mean, dude, that's that's so impressive. And that's something that I've seen consistently with a lot of the really fast guys is that the challenges that you overcome to get to the track are usually pretty big and, su- and like severe, but um, I mean, like, dude, just just getting those things done and being able to go out there and perform is is so wild. I mean, that's such a big un- undertaking, especially at the level, you know, you guys are competing because GLTC cars, like the people, the front runners up there, they're not slow. I mean, they're they're good. There's a tremendous amount of effort being put in at the front of a, a GLTC pack, and mm-hmm. and the drivers I think are are some of the best, you know, the best best drivers in the country. I'll say it. I think that there's, um, you know, when you look at Tom O'Gorman and what he does, and Dude, you think of exactly. the levels of racing exactly. that he's in, exactly, and, and the amount of winning he's done in in mm-hmm. pro racing. And then he comes there and doesn't win every time. He wins a lot, but he doesn't win every time. It's like, man, this guy wins as much as he does at the pro level, and he comes to GLTC, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's tough. That really puts it into perspective of how tough it is to win a GLTC race. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've gotten the chance to, like, people that regularly listen will know that I got a chance to meet uh, Tamo when they came out to the West Coast at uh, – grid life skip day and um he drove my car out there and it was just like man dude like i i got nothing but love and respect (laughs) for that guy but he made me feel so bad in my own car and i was just like (laughs) damn dude like three laps bro including the warm-up and already had like i i think i've big willow my best time that day was a 140 after driving with him and he did like a 136.8 or something. And I was just like, fuck, bro. Like, I want to give up and start like playing golf. Like, geez, I suck at this. But yeah, he's out there. And it shows that even with the with a great driver like Tomo, you need to have a well-sorted out vehicle and a well-sorted out driver or else you're not going to be in there. Because, I mean, those... All the people uh, up there, Aaron Lichty, um, uh, uh, Eric Cattell, Swenson, dude, all of those guys are, are, yeah, all of them are killers. I mean, 
Um, e- even uh, what's his name? Um, damn it! Uh, other East Gen uh, Civic driver. Yeah, uh, Mini. Yeah, I mean, dude, he's he's so good. I mean, I've seen him battle out with Tom and like even get ahead a couple a couple times. I'm like, dude, all of those guys are killers. Yep. Yep. No, it's uh, it's quite a it's quite a series, and I think that uh, it's it's. It's just going to keep on catching on. I mean, they have 52 cars at Road America this year that's in so one wild. class, in that's one race. So you know, wild. That, that's that's what, that's what we need. That's what North American, you know, wheel to wheel racing needs. Is, mm-hmm. is a great series like that with a little bit little barrier to entry mm-hmm. and and like you say, straight killers racing at the front. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Adam. You know, shout out to Adam. I I, I think you know. The guys at Grid Life do such a good job at reinvesting pretty much every single penny that they do make at those events and reinvesting it into JLTC. And that's why you see them growing so much is because they, I mean, Adam talks about it on his podcast, which I often listen to. And he says, like, yeah, man, we don't make a lot of money out of this. We're just reinvesting no, every, every, all. Every time, every time they figure out a way to produce a bit more income, they say, well, this year we're going to live stream every single event the whole year. And it's like, well, dude. there goes the income. Yeah, I mean, dude, uh, there are, like, pro-level events that I don't think they have the level of uh, live casting as, as uh, Grid Life does. I mean, they've really put, you know, a lot of emphasis on being able to share that experience. And that's why people like me see those events and um, are able to know who the drivers are, know who the sponsors are. And, you know, it's awesome to see. And I'm, I'm, I'm just so stoked that there's um, more road racing and it's showing out there and you see young people getting into it and you know the the sport is going to grow and then you know that's great for everybody there's more eyeballs there more sponsors are going to be there more money going in there is going to stay alive for a lot longer i would like to talk about one other thing that i've been doing the last few weeks i'm Ooh. super pumped about all right I've been having a lot of fun with all right and i'd like to talk about pure stock oval track racing okay yeah because we we were we were touching about this and we were talking about like all the different races that you've been doing so yeah tell me about that because i'm completely like not knowing about that so tell me how it's set up what you run so so we have a class and it's called pure stock some places it's called own stock pure stock whatever the moral of the story is you know usually it's front wheel drive only Mm -hmm. it's bone stock engine, bone stock transmission, mm-hmm. no no gearing changes, no diff changes, no nothing. They want these cars to be cheap. Mm-hmm. In the track that I race at, it's called Flamborough Speedway, mm-hmm. and some of the rules there are 400 treadwear tire. Mm-hmm. Uh, cannot be less than a 55 series tire. We actually use quite a tall tire because you're not allowed to change gear ratios. You're not allowed to increase the rev limiter. No tuning, no ECU tuning whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So we're using quite. We're using actually like a 26 inch tall tire on the thing, 
Mm-hmm. So we can use second gear because third gear is way too tall, even with a short tire on it. So we're using a super tall tire. You're allowed, they, the, in the oval track racing, they measure it differently. So they allow it's called two inches of camber on the right front. So that's mm. measured with a square, and it's measured to the top of the wheel and the bottom of the wheel, the difference between that. So that's two inches. So oh. two inches, for example, two inches is about six degrees of camber. And on the wow. track, you want what? You want quite a bit of camera because you're only turning one way. Mm-hmm. You don't need to optimize for both directions. Um, so sock springs, sock shocks, sock sway <laughs> bars. It's, it, but like this car, you know, I I got invited to drive this car about a month ago. What car is it? And So it's an Integra. It's a, it's a, and no VTEC is allowed for this class. So it's a non-VTEC, regular Integra. You know, oh. it's got a bit of rust on it, this and that. It's a, it's a cheap, <laughs> fun class, very, very low barrier to entry. And the fastest cars a few weeks ago that were running um, on a, I think it's a one-third mile track, were about 19.3 to 19.5, depending, you know, depending on the night. And uh, I went back and looked at the timing from the week before when the other guy was driving it, and the car did a 20.3. So they invited me to come out and drive this car. I did a 19.8 in it the first night with no wow. changes to the car. But I could only do about a 20-second lap consistently. And we knew that that wasn't where it needed to be. So I said, well, let me take the car back to my shop. We'll, we'll go over it. We'll see what's, you know, we'll see what's there that, that uh, you know, we can take out. There's a minimum weight rule, so the car's allowed to be 23.50 with me in it. Oh, that's, um, but the interesting that's thing, pretty light pretty light but the interesting thing is is you're not allowed any cutting except for the door panels if you've got three door bars per side yeah so you're allowed to cut the doors to pieces but you're not allowed to cut inner quarters you're not allowed to cut the hood you're not allowed to cut the trunk Mm -hmm. and uh so but there was a lot of little miscellaneous things so i get this car back to the shop i'm looking over things it has about half as much camera as it's allowed so i know we got to address that Mm -hmm. and you're allowed to bend the knuckle um, and I don't know if people people know about that in that area, but sometimes on a Honda, if you can't get quite as much camber as you want, mm-hmm. depending on what arms you have, some people will actually put the, the, the front upright into a press, and they will actually bend that a little bit. And I've, I've heard of a lot of people doing this over the years. I've never heard of one breaking. I've driven cars with them bent. I've never had one break. And uh, oh. so we got this... We got this knuckle bent. We got to our max. We got to our max camber. We put it on the scales, and the car was about 150, 100 to 150 pounds overweight. Um, so we started going through it step by step, and I was looking at the things I could take out. We got the car down to minimum weight. It was a bit of a struggle to get it to minimum weight, but we got mm-hmm. it to minimum weight. So where would you and get uh, some of the weight out? Obviously, I don't want to share all the like trade sick. No, no. So they don't they don't force you to have an exhaust system on the car. So I just run an open header. Okay. It had some makeshift side skirts on it; those were gone. Mm-hmm. It had Lexan quarter windows in it; those were gone. It had three door bars on the right side, but the, only the driver's side door was gutted. Uh, so I took the right side door off, gutted the right side door. It had a strut bar on it, but when we're running 400 treadwear tires, mm-hmm. I'm not concerned about a, a strut bar. I'm concerned about the car being at minimum weight. Step mm-hmm. one: car at minimum weight. Step two. Then if you're allowed a strut bar, put a strut bar on it. But step one, in my opinion, car needs to be at minimum weight. It had mm-hmm. a catch can for a stock. A stock B18. Catch can, delete. Goodbye, catch can. <laughs> um, 
Uh, it had a 50-pound battery in it. I don't know why the previous driver was driving. 50 pounds? Yeah, it had a 50-pound, like a full-size pickup truck What the? Dude. Yeah, battery. So I called my local. Yeah. I called my local Napa. They were able to get the the first gen fit size, which is sometimes hard to get, because the first gen and the second gen fit had like a twenty versus a twenty six pound battery. So I was able to find one of the first gen size fit batteries. So we put oh, that in there. Shit. That. I did not know that. So hold on, let me write that down. First gen fit battery, and that's a fifty one R size, or is this smaller? I, I can't remember. I can't, I think fifty one R. I think there's another number for the smaller one, and I can't remember exactly what it is. But if you Google it, you'll find the two different sizes of fit batteries. All right. And, and, and all the guys that are listening from uh, my racing class, I'm not going to do that. All right. We'll, we'll talk after. Um, yeah. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we just kept looking here and there, and, you know, there was just bits and bobs and little things here and there. And it was just like, you know, I'm just trying to make sure that um, – that everything that we didn't need was gone. I took the left front um, lower torque mount off, like the lower engine mount off. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we ended up with a car that was, you know, we're allowed to be 54% left side weight because it's advantageous to have more left side weight for oval track racing. Um, So we got the car to like 53.9 left side weight and we got the car to 2360, like one of the races that... Um, that I won, we came across the scales after, and it was like 53.88 and 23.61. And it's like, well, that's about as close as you want to get. Wow, um, that's really cool. So we got it there. We got the camber in it. The car had too much rear brake, and so I did a full brake service on the car, and it needed a left front caliper. It needed new rear rotors, and we kind of went over everything and made sure um that everything was right got the too much rear brake so is the pad had too much uh bite or yeah so we put a more aggressive front pad on it okay and then we put a less aggressive rear pad on it and then there was just some there was a, a lot of a uh, lot of rust and corrosion on the rear <laughs> rotors course, so course. i thought just to have a just to have a nice surface we put new rear rotors on it we mm-hmm. put new front rotors on it and needed a left front caliper. The left front caliper was stuck. We just we just kind of, you know, did a once over the car. Mm-hmm. And um, so after a couple of weeks, so the first week, still struggling a little bit. Car had older tires on it. Um, but I did, uh, uh, I did drive from, I think I started that race in 14th. And I drove to 4th in the feature out of about 20 cars. Dude, that's so impressive. That was, so we were doing a little bit better. I still didn't have the lap times I wanted. We did a fastest lap of a 19.5, but we were only doing 19.8 consistently. So we were getting mm-hmm. better, but we weren't where we needed to be. So the car owner said, let's put some tires on it for next week. So the next week we go out, we do a 19.3 the next week, and we were doing like 19.4s consistently now. Mm-hmm. We still didn't win. We got a second in the first race and a third in the second. So you draw for position for the first race. They do two races a night. Mm-hmm. You draw for position for the first race, and then they do a full invert of the lead lap for the second race. Mm. So I finished second in the first race, which meant I went and, uh, so I and I started from the back, started twelfth mm-hmm. or something like that, and then so I finished second. I had to go back to back again for the second race, drove up to third, and the car was still loose on the way in, and I you know I had messed with the brakes. That was seemingly good. I had kind of done everything I could. And I said, you know what? I think we need to put uh, we put front tires on it. 
I think we need to put a right rear tire on it too because the right rear tire was pretty old. Mm-hmm. We put a right rear tire on it the next week. We went one of the fastest laps that a pure stock has ever turned at Flamborough. Wow. We went in a 19-1 with it, and we got to the point where we were able to run like 19-3s in our sleep, and we put one. Uh, we won both races starting from the back. We started 12th and and 10th or something like that, and we won both races. So we're going in next Saturday. We go to the kind of biggest race of the year, an event called Frostfest, and um, it's... Uh, Is it in the snow? It, no, it's just like it can be getting cold at this time of the year. It's, it's actually been pretty warm this year, but there's been years where it's been 40 degrees there for that. And this year it's looking like it might be 70 degrees. You just never know. But uh, And we're talking about be, Fahrenheit, right? You're, you're translating it yeah. for us. All right. Cool, cool, yeah, cool, cool. I'm translating it. <laughs> I, would, I would say 15 and you guys would be like, what? It's in the snow. <laughs> so I just automatically translate from our American friends. So Thank that, you. That's gonna Thank be an you. Interesting event. That's going to be an interesting event because that's like what they – what they call it, they refer to as a special. So the special events you can run mm-hmm. what's called home track rules. There's about four of these tracks that run these cars in the area mm-hmm. within about a one and a half hour uh, circle. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so the specials, you're allowed to run whatever rules you run at your track. So it kind of makes it a little bit interesting. One track that's going to be allowed there, you're actually allowed GSR Integra. So that's kind of changes it up, but they, add, they are allowed in it. They're allowed at a big weight penalty, though. So a GSR Integra uh, has to be 400 pounds heavier than 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 mine. Still allowed no header, no intake manifold, no ECU tuning whatsoever, mm-hmm. no engine modifications mm-hmm, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So that's a big penalty to pay for a car that's you know you know not making that much more power, right? Mm-hmm. And especially on smaller tight tracks. So mm-hmm. um, I've had a lot of fun. I think that people. It you sounds know, like that, it, dude. That sounds so much fun, actually. It's it's there's a lot of cars being bought and sold all the time, and <laughs> you know the going rate for a lot of these cars is usually about twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars, like ready to race. Dude, it sounds like a lemons race almost, but yeah, that's. I don't know if you've ever messed with it. The the uh, yeah, I've done a lot of chump car racing myself, so. I, I, I feel that, but you know that kind of racing is still not that cheap, right? Like if you want to go That's on rent to ride, usually mm-hmm. it, it really adds up. It's a lot of seat time, it's a lot of fuel, it's a lot of tires, etc. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Some of these guys are buying one of these cars for twenty five hundred bucks. It's ready to race, and like it's forty bucks to get into the track, and that's oh. but like your pit pass <clears throat> includes your racing for the night. Mm-hmm. Oh so, wow! You know, and and we're only using about um, you know two or three gallons a night in fuel because it's short laps. We do 20, two 20 lap races a night plus two rounds of practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's not a lot of runtime. So it's, that's true. For, that's for, a, point. for a person that doesn't necessarily have the budget to go road racing at the hmm. level that they would want to, but they still, you know, have a love for Hondas or have love for cars mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. still want to get out and have some, you know, close, co- close contact wheel to wheel racing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a, it's definitely a good, it's a good option. You know, it's, uh, they, they definitely have more contact. You don't want to take a pretty car out there for that. Like I've got, <laughs> I've got a couple of tire marks on the side of this Integra that I've been driving for sure. Kind um, of a little donuts. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like, you know, my dad, uh, my dad asked me like, what's the most fun? And I said, I don't know. Like I love driving the TSX. I love driving the Evo time attack car. I love driving the Integra. But I really love driving this too, and there's something about something to be said for, 
you know, cheap tires that last a long time and, and, and 15 bucks in gas for the whole night. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, especially going from where you were, where you're like at the elite level where you're using, you know, fresh sticky tires and fresh everything and turning out like maybe one or two laps and, I mean, dude, like, you you guys from Canada are just hard freaking core. Because, like, here in SoCal, I have one track that's, like, three hours away. And I still haven't gone to it because it's too far for me. And here you are doing all of these events. Like, you're talking about going to Coda from Canada. Like, and you're not even on the... Yeah, you're not... 52-hour round trip. <laughs> Jesus, man, you guys are hardcore. And I mean, think twice. If that border opened up tomorrow and the event was in two weeks, you'd be like, yeah, we'll be there. Dude, I, we'll I believe it. Drive straight through on the way there and straight through on the way back. <laughs> I believe it. Like, you you guys, yeah, you guys are a huge in- inspiration of uh, getting getting things done because, I mean, like the Midwest guys, the guys that run um, um, all of the. All of the events in the Midwest, uh, I mean, they travel usually four or five hours for an event. And I mean, for me, I, I drive my car to the track and it's like about an hour and 30 minutes. I'm, I'm super spoiled. And yeah, you guys are badass. Uh, I got to well, give credit. This, it's, it's kind of fun going to this Flamborough Speedway because it's 40 minutes from my house. Oh, so dude, that's, that's dope. Yeah. So like, the, you know, you, you go there. Like, they race Saturday nights. We're open Saturdays at our business. Mm-hmm. We can leave after work, and, you know, the racing's over at 10 o'clock, and I'm home, you know, home at 11 o'clock. And it's like, that's pretty, pretty sweet deal that you can work Saturday, still be at the races on time, and still be in your bed at 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that that is really nice to be able to do that. Um, I know that uh, oval racing is it's still pretty big here in, in the U.S. I haven't heard about that series, but, you know, much like anything that uh, becomes popular in one area, other people take note, and um, given how well, popular best, it seems. The best the best thing you can do is, if you're interested in something like that at all, find the local, closest local oval track. You know, whether it be paved or dirt, some people are into dirt. I'm not as much into dirt as a paved oval, but some people like it. Why not? And, uh, and just... Um, it's just messy and the tracks get rutted and it beats up the cars and, mm-hmm. um, it's just my, my, my father and my grandfather were both into paved oval racing mm-hmm. and, uh, that's kind of what we know and it's kind of what I've been brought up around mm-hmm. and it's just one of those things. I have nothing against dirt. I just don't know it. I've never been involved mm-hmm. in it. I'm okay with that. Hmm. Um, okay. but, um, I think one of the best things if a person's interested in the oval track stuff is like. Google your local, you know, closest local oval track. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every one of those tracks is going to have rules for their classes. Check out the classes. See what they have. Mm. Uh, I think that some people might be surprised. And I'm not definitely not trying to, you know, discourage anyone from circuit racing. But I think that when you look out there at a lot of GLTC builds, a lot of, you know, uh, Honda Challenge builds in, like, you know, mm-hmm. let's say more in H1 or H2 or SCCA, STL, like a lot of these cars are... Twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, like yeah. depending, yeah. you know, depending no, on the situation. And a lot of people putting a new set of Hoosiers on for every weekend and stuff like that. And that's, and a that's cool. And you know, I'm all for it. That's that's awesome. If if that's what a person 
can do and if that's what a person wants to do hell yeah like good for the economy <laughs> got to make tires and good yeah. for the hoosier dealer whatever right but yeah uh, or or in my case the nankang you know yeah. like that's that's what we race on we love the cr1s started on those this year amazing tire but um so is that what you're going to run in the gltc car you bet oh boy nice yeah nice yep. so what size are you so, running on the tsx 315 30 18 in the front Fuck. 265 35 18 in the back jesus man and that fits yep. damn that? and that fits in there real nice huh so the TSX has shockingly big inner fenders. So wow. I will say that to fit the 265 on a 10 and a half inch wheel in the back, we had to roll and pull more than most people would like for aesthetic reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that before that we do the, you know, before we we work on the wrap again the next time, we'll probably do a little body work and try to smooth it out a little bit because mm-hmm. it would have to get a little bit rough to fit that 265 in the back. Mm-hmm. But we use a an off-the-shelf over-fender off eBay mm-hmm. in the front. And uh, even at this crazy low ride height that we have, we didn't have to do, like, really any inner fender modifications in the front or the rear, for that matter, at all. These things have wow. huge inner fenders. We got this thing, like, on the ground with 315s <laughs> with room to spare. <laughs> That's so wild. And you could go lock to yeah. lock with no rubbing. Lock to lock. Lock to lock. Wow. Wow, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool machine. Because you put two fifty fives on an Integra, like a two fifty five forty seventeen, and you cannot go lock to lock on it. Yeah, you, uh, I mean, they'll rub the back of the, the back of the um, the front fenders. I mean, like, dude, we're talking about Corvette rear tire size. Like, that's that's insane <laughs> on what was they're, built to be a grocery getter or a high end grocery getter. They're talking in the front. Man, that talking is... Talking 315s, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is so actually, much grip. We just had to... We actually had to radius, like, trim up part of the fender lip off of the uh, off of our over-fenders because it was tucking so much it was going to be a problem. Like, we were tucking, like, half of the sidewall. The car is that low. Wow. Uh, so we actually trimmed up that over fender a little higher. So it was just like, you know, maybe, you know, tucking a quarter inch of the tire or something like that because it was just, uh, I didn't want to, the fiberglass over fender and I didn't want to crack it from, mm-hmm. you know, turning it full lock or anything like that. So we trimmed it up a little bit, which is a shame because it doesn't look as British touring car spec with the, dude, with the rear fenders rolled dude, as far as they are in the front. <laughs> dude. You you have no idea, like, BTCC is, like, one of my biggest loves. Like, I am such a huge fan of uh, Matt Neal and Gordon Shedden and, uh, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Jason, uh, Dan Kamish? Uh, Jan- uh, I forget his first name, but I know it's Kamish, and he came up from the Porsche uh, series um, and started racing with uh, Matt Neal. Dan Kamish, there we go, I think it is. And, dude, BTCC is my jam. Like, I love seeing those touring cars. And seeing your TSX, like, really reminds me of that. I, I, I have right now a wallpaper that I'm looking at of uh, BTCC stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. That's so cool. Yeah, we've got, like, that plus, you know, 
plus one third of a tire. Take your two fifteen, <laughs> cut it in half, add the extra half on as well, and then you've got the front tires for the TSX. Because a lot of those things, I think, only use like a, a, you know, they were doing like the metric sizing or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like a two ten or a two twenty or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's pretty cool to, to to be allowed to run these these big beasts because it's. Um, when I've driven some of the other cars I've driven, I did some I did a, some some other uh, um, sprint racing in a mm-hmm. friend's eighth gen this year in a in a class called Super Production Challenge up here, and they have to run two forty fives for that series. And I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, this car doesn't do anything right. <laughs> like it's so hard to make it. And you know what? I will appreciate it. It was a super fun weekend, and it really allowed me to think about how we're going to set this car up more and, mm-hmm. and think outside the box a little bit. And we did work on it a bunch, and we got the thing working really well, and and we and we won the weekend when I drove that car in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, man, it makes the car so much easier to make it do what you want when you got that big tire on there. That is wild. I mean, obviously, you do need to have some power behind it in order to get that to move that tire, because I mean, uh, at one point or another, that weight from that tire is still gonna like. Hinder. I'm still, I'm I'm not convinced. I'm not really? convinced. Like even, even when we first started it, started with this thing, um, so we're running it a little bit heavier now with a little bit more power for the power to weight you know, mm-hmm. number we're looking for. But when even when we started with this thing and we were two thirty seven twenty seven fifty five, you know, you'd think that that's not enough p- power to run a big tire like that. I I, I disagree. I think that if you're mm-hmm. running a modern street tire. They are the fastest when they are cold. Put the widest tire that you can fit. Hmm. The more the more heat you put into a modern street tire, the slower it gets. Huh. Interesting. So put the wide put the widest tire on that you can afford and that you can fit, and uh, the car is going to be fast. Hmm. Because I also own an Ace Gen Civic Si that I'm trying to get like as quick as I can for. That's like my daily slash uh, time attack car. That's like kind of like a I guess it's a do everything car it's not like crazy built or anything but it, it still does you know like decent amount of lap time I, I, I kind of suck so I still need a, lo- a lot more uh, driver mod um, but yeah the, the, I, I like the Ace Gen I think it's a really good handling car um, they're a I nightmare agree. to work on I hate how horrible the oil filter position is on that thing um <laughs> Like th- there's so much stuff that I wish uh, I could, I was that would have been done different. Like the oil pan, I wish the rear mount was not on the oil pan, so I could get one of those cool Unit Two um, oil just, pans and uh, you just, baffle. You just keep it. You just keep an eye out about eighth gen pans. Oh, oh. You just keep an eye. Oh, keep an eye out. That's all. Oh, some in- some insider information right there. Keeping an eye out anything. for that. I didn't say anything. I just said you keep an eye out. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, because I, I ended up having to get like an expensive welded, um, aluminum welded one, which is still dope. It's a high-tech one. But, you know, especially when you're doing road racing events and you hop curves and whatever, and even daily driving, there's like stuff that can hit it. And aluminum um, pants are just not as robust as like a steel one so yeah well aluminum pans can be good but cast aluminum pans you're going to struggle with 
Yeah, and I think that's what the stock one is, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's the cast, it's a yeah. cast man, and the cast, the cast aluminum is so prone to cracking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's scary. So, it's scary. But no, I love big tires. If that was my street car, I'd probably have a 285 on the front of it. What tires. the fuck? Oh, 100%. 100%. I'd oh. probably have a 285 on the front, and I'd have the 255 on the back. Dude, I would, like I would beat, I would beat that rear quarter to pieces, and I would put that two fifty five on the back. You know, I put the back, I put a ten inch wheel in the back, and I put an eleven inch wheel in the front, and that thing would be flying. <laughs> so for for my car, um, the way I have it currently set up, um, I actually was running at one point a two forty five square. Um, and I was able to fit that 245 uh, on the rear. It would rub a little bit, um, but yeah, no. Um, I'm I'm running now a 17 by nine and a half square, the Enki RPF ones, and um, running now for my track setup a 255 uh, front and 235 rear uh, Maxxis RC ones because that's the tire that I was winning on uh, when I was doing time trials. But, yeah, definitely um, going reverse staggered on front-wheel drive, especially, like, how heavy that one is. I think it's, it, yeah, it is uh, the jam, but going that wide is just, wow, like, that's pretty intense. We, we've got our rear quarter, we've got our rear quarter um, beat so bad on the TSX. <laughs> That we can do like a full compression with a ten and a half inch wheel in the back. Jesus, wow! Yeah, it, it's not. It, it takes a lot. It's not the prettiest recorder, but Mm-mm. when it's all wrapped and everything like that, you don't really notice it. You won't notice but it you, when it's like flying a, a you know past the the field at GLTC up on two wheels. Like you, you, it's fine. It's fine. You got You got to roll and pull and beat and hammer a quarter a lot. To do a full compression with a ten and a half inch wheel on the back of the TSX, I promise you that. Yeah, you will have to beat it way more than anyone thinks that they're going to have to beat a quarter. Yeah, because I, I mean, I know the Ace Gen Civic SIs have like that double fold, so it makes it like a nightmare to roll. But oh, I, it's the same in the TSX. It's, oh, it, it's the same thing. It's got like that crazy, like almost like a U uh, type of a bolt. It's very strong, and you get it. You get it rolled and pulled as far as you can, and then you get in there with a with a you know like what they call a mini sledge, and you you just beat it up with the mini sledge, and you just got to keep working it. You just work it, um, you know, back and forth, and look at the highs and lows, and you got to work the lows and, and try to even it out the best you can, and and then you have a two sixty five on a ten and a half inch wheel on the back of a TSX. <laughs> Jesus, so. If we're going to take any uh, advice from you is that on um, front-wheel drive, put as wide of a street tire as you can on the front. Yep. Wow. That's... No matter what. No and matter what. I don't, I'm, uh, no matter what. Put as big as, <laughs> big as you can fit, as big as you can afford. Wow, that's... You know, if, if it was... You know, I might not say to put uh, a 315 on a on a... 100 horsepower D series or something like that. There has to yeah. be some sort of within yeah. reason. Yeah. But if, you know, even if a car had 200 horsepower or something like that, I would mm-hmm. be definitely looking at 295s or something like that. I, I think that people grossly underestimate how quickly most modern tires overheat. Mm. And the more tire you put on it, the longer it's going to take to overheat. Mm. 
Interesting. Definitely a big uh, food for thought right there. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's definitely something I'll I'll be considering. So how wide do you think you could fit like on a 17 by nine and a half? So that's the other thing that I'm a big believer of getting the widest wheel that you can get. Mm. So I would be looking at getting some 11s or 10 and a halfs or whatever for the front. That's wild. because you're not going to get anything better than the 255 and a 17-inch wheel, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to go to a 275, you're going to go have to go to a 275-40 generally. Now, I, I shouldn't say that because I do think they have the Maxxis RC1 in the 275 3517 mm-hmm. But I think that they're the, the, one of the only brands that has that size. So generally, if you're going to want to go past a 255, you're going to end up into an 18-inch wheel. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Great food for thought, man. Uh, thank you for all of your information. And I mean, I feel like we're barely scratching the surface and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, keeping tabs. And of course, looking forward to when you finally, when, when they finally open the doors for you to come down here and start, uh, kicking some GLTC butt. We're gonna stir shit up a little bit. I think when we come back down. <laughs> Any plans to, um, Campaign that uh, Type R over at Buttonwillow again? Or is that not not in, in the playbook at all? When that Type R is done, we will be going everywhere we can and trying to take every record that we can. Nice. Nice. It will, well, there, if... will be, there will be no leaf left unturned <laughs> when, when that thing is done. Well, if you make it up to uh, Buttonwillow, I'll try and go out there and uh, actually meet you in person, and then we could talk about how wide tires we can put on cars <laughs> that would be awesome i'd love that oh man well thank you so very much for uh coming on to the podcast i really enjoyed this and um thank you for being my pre- first international guest appreciate you having me oh thank you thank you and with that guys i will see you next monday thank you <laughs>